What's up, world? It's Amy Ball, and welcome to Skeletons from the Closet, where we dig up the past to help you build a better future. Let's kick that closet door open, shall we? All right, so today we have a conversation that's probably going to stretch your mind a little bit, awaken your spirit, hopefully, and maybe (laughs) just change your life. You know, I speak about authenticity all the time. I don't get a lot into healing and the spirituality of it. Sometimes I'll, I'll sprinkle that in, but the real reality is I don't have a ton of experience in it. So as I learn, I wanted to bring in other people who do have a ton of experience. And I think that today's guests are probably proof that there's so much going on in the world around us that's not only divinely guided, but also needs to be recognized and experienced and felt. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, guys, 10 years ago, if y'all came up to me talking about ceremonies and the law of attraction and soulmates who found each other through psychedelic experience, I'd probably be like, and where is your time machine from the 60s? (laughs) But, you know, today I'm, I'm not only fascinated, but I'm profoundly moved by what you two have accomplished. So with that being said, I don't want to steal all your thunder. Welcome to the show, David and Megan. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. The world's going through a massive shift and transition right now and it's it's it looks physical but it's all it's so much of it's energetic you know so much is coming to the surface you know one of the things i i like to share just real briefly if, if anyone follows the schumann resonance it's actually trackable this is something that can be that you can look up on your own but it's the rate at which the earth vibrates and the past five or six years it's vibrated like significantly more ever in history and because we're vibratory beings, all this stuff is coming to surface. Any suppressed traumas, suppressed emotions, things that don't serve us in our unconscious mind from childhood, which we can go into that in, in a minute. But my point is people are basically given one of two choices, not to speak in an absolute sense, but go deeper into the system, into distracting, into numbing, into avoiding, into needing these systems to like think they're safe. Or and we'll just we'll create more sickness in right. life. Or or body. take like self-responsibility, open your mind to things that maybe these systems aren't really for us, lean into the uncomfortable things, decide to do the healing work. And it's like this this choice and it's very different paths, but it's it's pretty powerful. It ties into all the kind of plant medicine stuff and work we do from our experience. Mm-hmm. That's it's so funny that you start talking about the choice that we have and the earth vibrating at a different frequency. And it's up to us to be able to kind of recognize that and take take advantage of it and understand it. So before we get into all that, I know I didn't really tell your story. And although you shared it with me, I think it's more impactful coming from you guys, because what's interesting to me is that if I if I remember correctly, you both worked like this big wig corporate job up in New York yeah. City, and now you're down in in Texas with the animals, like feathers, and frolicking, and loving life. So, like, give everybody a little bit of what what happened, what you're inspired. Yeah, we did. We were doing medical sales and really really successful with medical software sales. Uh, I was in New York City. Uh, Megan was based out of Austin, Texas, but we flew all around the country selling like different kind of software to like plastic surgeons and dentists and dermatologists, that kind of stuff. And we crushed it. Like we crushed it so that you wouldn't think that we would ever even think about leaving that world. You know, like our friends were like, what? 
Yeah. And we actually, to tell our story, we got to actually back up a little bit. So both of us had very different kinds of childhoods and it's not to compare, it's just different kinds. Megan had a severe amount of very deep sexual, physical, and emotional abuse from like seven years old to her mid twenties, really. And that created by the time she was in her early to mid thirties, it created seven different autoimmune diseases, severe PTSD, severe insomnia, gut issues. I mean, well, back up. It, it started like at 21. Like the, the abuse started yeah. around like eight years old. But like when I was 21, it was like a light switch went off. Yeah. And literally I had all these autoimmune diseases, all these incurable autoimmune diseases. I had cancer cells. I had insomnia that was like so severe. Girl, so severe. You know what I mean? Like from the age of like eight until just like two years ago, I never got more than three hours of sleep a night ever. And even those three hours were not consecutive. So like I was exhausted because I was always trying to heal. You know what I mean? Like crazy, crazy, crazy. Trying everything. Everything. I tried everything. All the, all the stuff, Western medicine spent like nearly six figures on Western medicine stuff. Like, and it just made her worse. And, and I'll come back to that in a second. My, I didn't have that kind of abuse at all. The, what I went through, I saw a really traumatic divorce when I was like seven or eight because my parents were kids having kids. I saw a lot of adultery. I did have a little molestation thing happen. All these things happened to me, which created really uncomfortability in my body and a lot of deep abandonment issues in me. So I had all these issues growing up, which led to addiction. I had a lot of alcohol stuff, other just not great addictions. I was living in New York City, so you name it. And I was making more money than I should have. So you name it. I was involved in it. So I had addiction stuff, all kinds of things. So when we got together... Well, and I was physically (laughs) dependent on pharmaceuticals because of the pharmaceutical industry. Yep. You know what I mean? Because I had lupus, I had Sjogren's, I had rheumatoid arthritis, I used to have Ehlers-Danlos, I had fibromyalgia, I had neurosexual cystic, I had all these things. And then I also had emotional shit from like all this trauma that I had suppressed that created physical disease in my body. So that, that when we got together... You know, well, it was great at first because yeah. I was on Xanax, right? So, like the pharmaceuticals, years <laughs> how I functioned, right? Because the pharmaceuticals were keeping it at bay. Mm-hmm. I knew the shit that I had to deal with until he helped me get off the Xanax, which was very hard to do too. And I did it. And doctors will never tell you how to do it. I'm mm-hmm. thankful that I figured out the way to do that. But once I got off of that, it was like it all, all came hitting me in the face. All of a sudden, I had intimacy issues, all of a, like severe. All of a sudden, all this shit. And I was like, oh, my God, is this like how I would have been like the past 30 years, you know? And that's when I realized, okay, there's some healing that needs to happen here. <laughs> and, and it's not, and that's the thing. Like, we'll talk a lot about the spiritual warfare stuff in in, in a minute once we get through all this. But it's also really energetically meticulous. It's not to judge the pharmaceuticals. They're not helping any. They're not they're not healing anything. But it's it's really important for people not to judge themselves if they're currently on it, because mm-hmm. that's what actually helped her to even survive. But when it's well, time I to want well, cannabis too, for sure. But once it was time to do the healing work, it had to go. And then it all came up. And again, make a, a to make a really long story short. We were divinely guided to ayahuasca and it changed. But wait, you got to back up. You didn't even talk about how we fell in love. Oh, yeah. yeah like, it's right. it's so beautiful how we fell in love. We were like best friends, like traveling. Or we were friends for two years, you yep, know? Nothing wrong. And we traveled around crushing it. Like, he was the person they partnered me with to travel every week to a different place. And like, we were just wine and dining ourselves. Like, 
because they let us, you know, so we were living it up, selling, <laughs> having so much fun. And um, we had a guy that had, um, and this is sometimes triggering for people because they have to experience it to know that it's actually really divine and beautiful. But we had a guy that had really good, clean, like true LSD. And it is such a, we call it ayahuasca for the mind. It's very beautiful. You're such in a powerful state for like manifesting and like, it's kind of like your higher divine God self kind of takes the wheel, but it also can bring up things to heal too, which we can touch on later if we want. But we took LSD together and it was so crazy. I, it went so deep. That's when I early on started realizing, oh my God, thoughts are things. We do create with our thoughts and feelings. I was just having all these downloads, you know, early, early on. This was so many years ago. And then all of a sudden I understood like what a soulmate was, you know, what a twin flame was. I never, I, I never got it. I, I never understood that. Like, what the heck is, what, what, what is that? And it was just like everything. I was just getting things. They were clicking. And it was my first experience, girl, of ever channeling truly, because I can honestly tell you that I had no idea this was about to come out of my mouth. And I swear it was not me speaking. It was like my higher divine God self, like channeling through me. And I'll never forget it. And when it, what's funny is one of our good girlfriends was, was with us. So she was just sitting back like, what's <laughs> going on? And I walked up to David. I grabbed his face and I just looked up at him. and I was like, I love you. And I'm like, what? You know, and so like, you know, it was such a beautiful night. We just held each other. Nothing physical happened. So innocent and pure and just very special, you know, and and, and you got to tell her, though, like, like he, you know, after that happened, we I went back home. He went back home. And right before that, I met another guy in Manhattan that I thought was like amazing. Right. So I'm so like, what's going on here? He messages me and was like, hey, I need to see if this was real. You know what we experienced? He was in D.C. living with his brother and we worked out of Manhattan and he flew to see me. And like a minute he walked in the door, I knew like, you know what and, I mean? And basically, like after three months, we were engaged, six months yeah, married. The beautiful thing about this story that I love telling people is I take him to the airport to leave. And I'm so sad that he's about to leave. And New Year's is right around the corner. He's going to go with his friends to New Year's. And I get a call after I drop him off and he's like, Hey, come pick me up. And I'm like, what? He's like, my flight got canceled. So then he was supposed to stay for a week. He stayed for a month. We bought his plane ticket, flew to his brothers, told his brother he's moving out, made a road trip, moving him, you know, all his stuff in. And we were, yeah, engaged in like three months and married six months later. And it's been years. Wow. Isn't that funny though? Like, so many people go through the life and they're like this term soulmate, you know, it's almost it, it's looked upon like, oh, this is, you know, this is ridiculous. Nobody has just one soulmate. And, you know, I, I think there's aspects about it that I believe. I think that people are divinely connected. I don't I don't know if there's just one soulmate. I don't know. But this this concept that you talk about, about a twin flame, you know, what is what exactly does that mean? And from that soulmate idea perspective, you know, for all these people that are looking for love and they're, they're trying to make things the way that they think that they should be. You know, I need a guy who makes lots of money. I need a guy who's a good family person. I need the guy who's just not going to beat me and that's going to be okay. Like how, what does that look like? Like it's more than just finding the person you think you should be with. Right. Yeah. So with this, I think one of the foundational things that I come back to, which is similar to a lot of different spiritual concepts, is everyone's so in their own individual experience 
it, it's really important to like not allow anyone outside of you to define your experience and whatever you feel is coming up for you. It's likely truth. One of the biggest things is questioning our intuition on stuff like that. So it's very individual to the experience, but it's wildly true in it our experience. It's hard to, it's hard to, to explain. So basically you're so energetically tied that you feel pretty much every emotion that that other person's feeling and it enacts some kind of emotion in you. You really become each other's and there's there is something really special happening in the world right now. I feel like there's something really special about contracts. Like we come here, uh, people come here with specific contracts with people to learn different lessons, to go through different difficult experiences. And sometimes the contracts have an expiration date. Sometimes they're like life contracts, like whatever they are. But with this, it's like consistent mirroring of each other's deepest wounds and things that need to come to surface. So the tricky thing is, and this is with any union, really any union, it just gets more intense based upon the depth of connection in the union. But the tricky thing is to not project onto the partner because you're really the mirrors. So anything uncomfortable that comes up in you, it's literally coming up, being triggered by the external, but coming up inside you for your opportunity. And it does, it's an opportunity. This is where free will comes in. This is where self-responsibility comes in, where you have an opportunity to lovingly take self-responsibility for what's coming up in you and see that it's something that can help you grow and shift and learn from or repeat the cycle. Like in so many people, and there's not judgment in it, but there are people that spend their entire life repeating one lesson cycle because they're not choosing to sit with it. Well, and a twin flame is like the same soul that has been split in half. So like he literally, we really do complete each other. Girl, soy is something that I historically oh, have this to react to. Yeah, this is wild. There's a few things I want to share with you. <laughs> Not only is it obvious that we just are yin and yang, but and like we communicate telepathically all the time. But like if I have soy, it's in his past, you know, I had a lot of gut issues too, that leaky gut, all that in the past. It was something that really, really I reacted to. And if he early on, before we were better about our diet, if he like went to the grocery store but didn't want to tell me and he got like a pint <laughs> of ice cream and might have soy in it, and he was gonna eat it in the parking lot uh, before he got home. Yep. Guess what? I'd feel it in my gut. He would go run, he would go on long jogs because that's where he gets a lot of his downloads, is when he's going on long jogs. And before I held, healed the rheumatoid arthritis and the Ehlers Danlos, it would flare my knee up. It was the crazy. When he would shit. go run. And this so, like, he couldn't go run for the longest time. And I, I, I actually needed those experiences because as, as I'm more, more, more masculine with my energy and it's, it's all logic based. So I, I actually needed those experiences for me to really get the depth of like the spiritual energetic world. And that's one thing anyone listening to this, and I should have said this early on, but it's so important to just be willing to listen with an open mind because there's so much that is what we've been programmed to believe. And for, for this big shift that the world is going through, there's, it's all divinely orchestrated, but there's an aspect of free will. There's an aspect of, there's an aspect of being, having an open mind with this stuff because, because there's, we have such unlimited potential and there's so many unseen things that we can tap into and grow from and learn about. But these things, 
if the mind goes into cognitive dissonance and just says there's no way this is real, it creates an energetic block for other things to come into your own experience. So just just listening with an open mind. Because is, we were is, also very programmed oh too. God. I was very rigorously doctrinated. You she, know what I mean? Catholicism. So like I went through like a two year tug of war in my mind, like back in like 2013, 2014 of like oh, all yeah. of these things, you know, when I really started waking up to like what was actually going on and it's well so always remaining open and I, I, I always be open to being wrong but like it's been opposite day you know what i mean y'all have said so much okay so uh, like literally as you're talking i'm like furiously writing down stuff um okay so i'm gonna take like a, a step back because you said something that that struck a chord with me which was around like the twin flame things. Like I feel that he ate the soy and now I'm sick. Thank, thanks a lot, asshole. But what's interesting about this or like just saying like your emotions are triggered by the things that this person does by their energy and what they're taking in and what they're consuming. So if you think about it, and like you said about the masculine energy, the logical side of this that has to either dispel or prove this to be actual, yeah. um, it, it, it almost makes you wonder how the sciences so let's say cognitive behavioral therapy right which says okay these are the steps that i take to figure it out what triggered me how i feel about this is this actually my emotion or am i feeling this because someone around me has i feel like has done something but in reality i'm reacting this way because of x so the question becomes you know is that just a way where scientifically and psychologically they're proving essentially what you're saying because and do you see that there's a barrier to communication so let's say me and my spouse are arguing right and he comes home and and this is true like this will happen he'll come home from a long day and he is quiet and he isn't really moody he's not being mean to me but i can just sense like hey Yes. Yes. what's your fucking problem like yes. you know before they even say it yes. before they even, and he and and you get the typical guy answer where it's like nothing nothing's wrong why what's the matter with you and then how this typically would play out in most relationships luckily i'm like no you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell me now what happened you know people just they put they shrug it off the woman's like okay well i guess nothing's wrong i guess it's me maybe it's me what did i do wrong what you know what can i do to make this better and the whole time they're not open to having that dialogue dialogue to say okay look this is how I'm feeling. This is why. And so they never understand that that energy that they're feeling, that tenseness, that, um, you know, that disconnect is actually a good thing to pull them closer together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love that. And that's absolutely right. It's it's an, it's a massive opportunity for that. It's a totally different perspective to look at that. And those are the kind of things that are like, separating the the unions that are growing together or growing apart because it's it's like there's so many spiritual paradoxes out there uh that are both true i do believe everything is a divine orchestration i also believe we do have free will so we have some impact upon the speed of that divine orchestration whether it takes us 80 or 90 years to get to the point where we're truly free and happy and can have healthy relationships or whether it takes us half that time 
that's up to our personal decisions to say, let me put my ego aside. Look, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. Or do the or, uncomfortable work. Yeah. Let me tell you, in my healing experience, healing all those things that I told you I had, I healed them. But it was very uncomfortable work. There's a lot of times I did not want to go to those ceremonies. I didn't want to go through the uncomfortability. I dreaded it. But I was always grateful because every time I actually did it, because it was exactly the outcome I wanted. But it is a warrior's path. So you have to be willing to do the uncomfortable work, too. So you well, mentioned you, something. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying the energy. You mentioned something about how energy is connected mm-hmm. and the science behind it. One of the things that I love, I love. I told you, actually, we've had a conversation on this. I actually love getting the analytical minds that come to ayahuasca. I love getting the skeptics. It's my favorite. because we he get, loves challenges, girl. He's I love so it. Weird. I love it because we get a lot of people that are like, oh, I know there's something special to this. But we'll get some people that are like, okay, we'll see. What it's what my they're they're analytical and it is the most unexplainable, mind opening, mind blowing experience. I can't put into words because you realize, and, and it's not to not to you know put a blanket over ayahuasca is such a unique individual experience to every person. You can't have an expectation, but one commonality is this medicine goes in and as I'm tying into what you said about how energy works, it literally finds and shows you how if you suppress resentment at 11 years old, that's still there. You suppress fear, you suppress anger, it's still in your energetic body and it has you release and purge all these emotions and energies you've held on to. Layer by layer. People need to know it's layer by layer. It's just a wild realization that energy is very real every emotion you have if you don't process it you're going to suppress it and it's going to impact you in some way i agree i agree wholeheartedly and for people who like it because like i said it's taken me a long time to to be open to not say oh they're woo woo look at these hippies over there right and even still sometimes i think there's a level of fear to it because we don't understand it all the way and so people close themselves off. But like you're saying, you know, and y'all, you, Megan, you 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 do this so nonchalantly, probably because you've spoken about it so many times. But the level of, you know, trauma that you experience, like you said, that's that's not something that, you know, how easily you gloss over it. That's not something that that's taken you years and years and years to do. You know, it's like building a company. You know, people say, oh, you're you've done it and it happened overnight. No, it's never overnight. And I think that even if people haven't felt, you know, the trauma of the action of molestation or being beaten or things like that, they have experienced the emotions of being abandoned and being betrayed and feeling unsafe. And that's really what it comes down to. I'm giving myself goosebumps because it's like, you know, when you think about just like you were saying, this divorce trauma that your parents went to and watching the adultery and everything else, I think it's, you know, you carry that with you and you don't think about it. And people ask questions all the time, like, how could you have um, gotten in a fist fight at the grocery store? And it's like, well, I was just so mad. And that's that energy coming out in a destructive way, right? And so when we're, when we see these things as kids or young adults or whatever it is, and we smush it down and these emotions don't have a way to come out and we carry that with us. So like, I, I literally made a post about it. I don't remember if it was yesterday or today about 
how so many people just aren't vulnerable. They're not willing to be open. They're not willing to communicate. And it's because they feel unsafe is what I think. Because I've been one of those people where it's like, if I don't feel safe with you, then I am going to push you away. I will push you out of my life. And like you were saying with the soul contracts, you know, I have, I've I've done an Akashic reading. And, you know, one of the things that kept coming up was you have to stop pushing people. Like I will do one of two things. I will push people to the point of they say, and I'm trying to push them to better themselves, but they're just not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. Or, or I let them go. Or I <laughs> genuinely push people away. That That's it. Uh-huh. I genuinely push people away because I don't feel safe with them because of an abandonment issue several lifetimes ago, right? Where my caveman husband, I pushed him out the door. I was like, go get food. He came back. Well, he never came back. So now it's like, you know, all this stuff that we carry with this ancestrally, biologically, genetically. And the, some of the things that you guys are saying, bring that up and tie all those frameworks together. So how do you handle that? You know, you talked about the people who are the skeptics, the logical ones. How do you handle the people that are literally afraid? Like, girl, almost they're, everyone is. They're, they're the ones who like, and I can tell you, so you and I had this conversation and I was asking you about my partner and I was like, hey, he's like, not going to be that guy. And so I, I, as pushy as I can be sometimes, I was like, well, help me understand, like, why wouldn't you even just want to experiment with this or to learn about it or anything else? Because I'm a learner. Like I will, my, my toxic trait is I will go down the wormhole until there's nothing left to learn. <laughs> his response to me was, I don't think I want to know. Like, I, 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 it scares me. Mm-hmm. I so, get that. That's what I was. What What do you think? What do you think causes that fear in people to just say, "I'm better off not knowing"? So there's multiple factors to fear that have been specifically, and again, we'll get more into the spiritual warfare stuff. But it, it's intentional. It's intentional, and it starts with all the major systems in childhood. Every major system has some aspect of indoctrinated-based fear and taking the power away from us. So it can come from some kind of layer as a child or young adult of indoctrinated religion. It's usually the first one. It doesn't always have to be that, but that's just one of the first layers of this creation of hell, uh, which is this, you know, the, the greatest creation they've used to control, man's used to control people, saying an unconditionally loving God would sentence his or her children to eternal damnation with pure intention for making a mistake or something like that. If that's not the layer, the thing with ayahuasca is, and you know, I would never speak like this is the way it is. This is just my experience of it, but we've worked with thousands of people at different capacities over the years. Ayahuasca is a very deep internal commitment to go inside yourself and the universe, God, whatever resonates with you is going to give you barriers and tests before you're truly ready to go deep within yourself. And like we have a hundred people a week that say they're ready. Two of them may really be, and there's no judgment. It's okay. It's everyone's on their own path when they're ready, but it is in my opinion, the most sacred, deepest internal journey. Cause yes, yeah. it's an external medicine, but it's very much a spirit. It's a very loving. And you get this the first time you drink it, you're like, whoa, this is an intelligence. This is a very powerful feminine, like strong intelligence. That's like 
kind of communing with me right now and goes inside you to pull up the deepest things from your childhood that are still kind of unconsciously running patterns in your life. And it's all inside you. So there's, there's this fear of the unknown that is really, really heavy in humans. This fear of like the unknown, which actually ties into faith. So how much faith does someone have in God, in the universe, in themselves, whatever resonates with them, because whatever this great intelligence, it knows the depth of your faith. All of us, it knows where it needs to be stretched and to experience ayahuasca. I've there, there's some like absolutes that I've found with people that eventually experience ayahuasca. They have done enough work to have a lot of faith because it is like looking at a cloud, taking us, jumping onto the cloud, and just hoping there's something beneath that cloud to catch you. And there always is. It's always beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you have to make the decision to make the jump onto that cloud. So there's some kind of depth of faith that people have to have. And the world will give you a million mm-hmm. reasons why not to do it, why to put it off, mm-hmm. why the timing isn't right, why it doesn't make financial sense. All these things will come up. And it's just like the universe saying, do you really want to go into yourself? Do you really want to open up these new other worlds that are here for you? Or do you want to just kind of keep playing it safe and just kind of are you okay with dealing with whatever patterns are there? Well, the red, pill, the red pill versus the blue pill in the matrix, right? And there's no going back. You're once your eyes open on another level, you're like, oh, okay. but girl, I almost didn't sit in oh, the beginning. Yeah. Like, so when you talk about that, I was like probably worse than your husband. Okay. Like I was deeply afraid because I was afraid of what it was going to make me relive. Yeah. I was afraid of what it was going to show me because I suppressed and disassociated from a lot. Decades. You know, well, from the abuse, the, I don't remember. There's been a lot that I don't remember. A lot I do. A lot I don't. You know what I mean? I was afraid of because it was so evil that I was afraid of like demonic things, which I didn't realize that that shit was just going to be pulled out of me. <laughs> and I was afraid of the purging. I didn't want to be sick. Like, and so I feel like that's a lot of what people's fears are too, which is so normal. But then it was like, I had to get some tough love from him. And it was just like, how bad do you want to heal though? Like literally how bad do you want to heal? You are at the end of your rope. Are you really at the end of your rope, Megan? And I was, and I'm glad I did it. it yeah, it was hard. And I've had a lot of hard ceremonies. I've had some beautiful ones. And like, it does heal by layers, ceremony by ceremony. I thought, oh, I'm going to go this one retreat and be healed. <laughs> like I was deeply healed, but I had so much more than like, I would say the average person that <laughs> like, for me, me personally, I had to do hundreds of ceremonies to heal everyone, everything, but not everyone has to do that many ceremonies. It's also an intelligence that knows that, I'm working with this medicine. So I have the time to like, you know what I mean? And not have to just all in one thing, but this medicine is so divine and I was so afraid, but I will tell you, I'm so thankful because, and I still have to motivate myself to go into ceremonies. I just got to be, cause I've had some hard ones. You can do so this. Like, oh it doesn't get easier to take that it cup. Let me tell you. And so help people who aren't familiar with this understand what ayahuasca is to so my understanding just from having the conversation with you is that it's almost a a cleansing medicinal substance that incorporates psychedelics maybe or medicinal mushrooms or something that causes literally a purging like you're going to spew however because of the experience the properties of the medicinal plants in there it also creates like these new neural pathways for you to see the things that you block. 
So there's a couple facets to it. I want to mention one more thing, though, about someone being afraid of experiencing the medicine. So the one route I have consistently seen of people like that end up do experiencing it, the one route, and I'll give you an example of my mom. My mom's a really good example of this. When I first started experiencing ayahuasca, I was like, oh my gosh, oh, I want my mom to experience this. She's had so much trauma. She's dealt with so much. I was like, mom, you got to try this. Mom, you got to try this. Mom, you got to try this. And she was just, no, 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 wasn't ready, wasn't ready. Um, it wasn't until she really saw the wild changes in me, in Megan. And so I found that when someone sees the change in another person they're close to and they're like, oh my gosh, they're not drinking anymore. They're being really loving. They're really happy. They're way more joyful. Like they're bringing in more abundance, like whatever it is, they see the change. Then they're like, all right, what are you doing? So I found that seeing the change in someone close to them has been the most effective avenue of shifting someone's mind to experience it. And it, this is a little meticulous, but really removing your attachment to wanting them to do it. There's something about an attachment to like, re and this is wild, real, real quick. I wanted my mom to do it so bad. And I had a really powerful LSD ceremony with myself. I do my own internal work sometimes with that medicine. And that night I told Megan, I'm like, I completely am letting go of my mom doing ayahuasca. It will happen when it's supposed to happen. She texted me the next morning saying, I'm finally ready to sit. And now she sat like, 10 times the past four months. She's healed so much of her childhood stuff. She's doing amazing. So I just wanted to mention that seeing the change in others can help that and letting go of the attachment. To yeah. Like Cause like them to. girl, people will be different because everything is energy oh, and they so are different. energetic vibrational beings. So they will be different. For example, you know, there were some things, teachings he was trying to get through to me that I just couldn't grasp at all. And then I went to the jungle, had this really deep healing and I released a lot of guilt and shame that I had associated with an abortion at 20 years old. Because, again, I thought I was going to go to hell, you know. And it really, I carried so much the energy of guilt and shame. It made me so sick. And whenever I released and purged all of that in that ceremony, it was like all these light bulbs started going off. And all these things that he was trying to teach me, I just automatically got it. I got it. It made sense. It made sense. So you will be different. And and to explain the medicine, you're asking about what is it? So this, this, this is really funny because it's really hard to define it until you experience yeah. it. But just to like start from the beginning, it's it's a very sacred plant medicine that's been used for thousands of years for the deepest levels of spiritual healing and, and spiritual growth. It's grown in the Amazon jungle. We're really blessed to have some amazing teachers that we've been training with for years out in Colombia and in the Amazon but it's it's a it's made up of multiple sacred plants that are cooked together to create this brew. It is and and again, so much of this it's understood once you experience it. So just kind of follow me on it. It is an intelligence. It's not. We're very conditioned in the Western world to think I take this pill and this happens. I drink this and this happens. That is not how ayahuasca is. We've set like I pr I probably set like nearly three hundred times because I've had a lot of training and I I serve it every month. Every single one has been different. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, it's impossible to have an expectation, but some commonalities that you, it now, and two things here, it's, it's different because this spirit, once you consent to this experience, it begins working with you even before a retreat. Once you know and you're committed, whatever you do, you start to, you, Oh, I think I lost. There you go. You start to have like crazy dreams. You start, things start shifting in your life, but this spirit goes in. Once you drink it, 
she's going in to find what experiences you need to release, what guidance, where are you a little off on your highest path? And she has some strong well, corrections. Before the next uh, thing, like I, me, whenever I was in, like, yeah, like, like, yeah, I will. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, she gives direction too. Like when I was doing medical sales, she very directly said, you need to leave that completely and just follow the, just go in, start following the medicine path. No direction on that, but she's like, leave, like literally just leave it. And, so, and the I, common, I don't want to cut you off right here. So yeah. when you're telling a story though, how do you like the skeptics, the people that are hearing it and they're like, all right, dude, you're just smoking some plant stuff. You're drinking <laughs> it. And now your brain cells are like going in all directions. And you think it's this intelligence and they think like, no, he's just off his rocker. Yeah. So with that, I go based everything off of experience because of this medicine, all seven of her autoimmune diseases have completely healed. Her PTSD has healed. Her insomnia is healed. I have, I would also I have say zero read our reviews because they're authentic yeah. testimonies that you can tell we didn't pay people to write them. Yeah. We have more online reviews than any ayahuasca place in all of Texas right now that are, so we have a bunch of great reviews there, but also our direct experience, like mm -hmm. no addiction issues, no, it's really beautiful what it's done for our marriage too, and what we've been able to grow and create here. The other part to ayahuasca outside of that uniqueness, some commonalities that it will do to everyone is there is a purging process. There is a, and there is a process where it will scan your body. It will see where, if there's any suppressed traumas, if there's any suppressed emotions and you're, you have a bucket in front of you and that bucket is half full of this black gooey tarry stuff by the end of the night. And it's trippy because you're on a dieta. You're not eating a lot the week before. And it's this black stuff. So you see you're purging those energies. And hold on. On that note, all the autoimmune diseases, everything that I had, I healed it by purging yeah. it. It wasn't like she showed me anything. She yeah. literally had me purge lupus. Yeah. I no longer had it. I purged insomnia. I purged this literally. So like the purging is a great thing. Your gifts can open up. You can remember past lives, like all sorts of things. But you're very much aware yeah. of who you are, where you're at. I'm in an ayahuasca ceremony. It's not like you're out of your mind and you don't right. know. Like you're very much aware. Yeah, you're aware. It's nothing say. like that at all as far as like. Out of body stuff. Yeah, at all. When I hear this, like I said, because I've done so much studying and trying to be open and trying to be understanding over the years, for me, I make the connections between, okay, well, you know, if what they're saying is this, well, that ties back to this scientific theory and it ties back to this. And it and though I haven't had the experience personally, which I'm totally going to do, it, it makes so much sense to me why, like you said, and I'm not going to reveal the big secret you shared with me, but there's just this big conspiracy to put stipulations on how this medicine can be used to make it illegal to, you know, say that it's a crime to push the other idyllic religions that, you know, get shoved down your throat as far as heaven and hell. Look, I, I was a cradle Catholic too. So I totally get that. And that's not to say that I don't have that. I don't think that there are aspects of religion that are true, but I also will connect it to things like this to where I say, okay, well, what if the Bible is, a metaphorical story, right? Where it's, right. okay, well, maybe Moses in the burning bush was just really somebody's doing an ayahuasca ceremony and they see this dude giving them a message and it's their inner self or their inner guidance or something else that's been told through a story because this is the only way they knew how to do it. So I guess my question is, you know, 
you mentioned something and, and you shared it with me, the big secret around and you, and you kind of alluded to it earlier as well as as the spiritual warfare in our world. So tell me, talk to me a little bit about that and how you feel about it. That's a wrap on this episode of Skeletons from the Closet with me, your go-to gal for turning chaos into growth, Amy Ball. If you love the ride, then sprint on over to our Skeletons website for more even badass resources. Oh, and if you dig what I'm putting down, don't be a stranger. Subscribe, drop a review, and maybe even leave a saucy comment. Until next time, keep building that trust and turning your struggles into damn superpowers.